You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What is up, Goat Flippers? It is your host, Lurk. Thanks for checking out this episode of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast, the number one hardcore slash metal and everything in between show on the internet. Man, you know, it's been kind of a busy week. We got some news that Korn finished writing a new album. The Devil Wears Prada debuted a new single off their EP. And the biggest news of all is Madball had that huge concert in New York City where like two to 3,000 people showed up, and now they're being investigated by park officials. Well, we'll see what happens with all that, but for one, I'm kind of glad shows are coming back. I just hope that they're safe and everyone's precautious and all that other stuff, but I think it's time that we get back to some kind of, you know, not normalcy or whatnot, but we enjoy some things, and I think it's time that we enjoy safely shows. So that's just my two cents. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, please go ahead and give us a follow, a like, or a review, or rating, or whatever you can to help out the podcast. Heck, share it with a friend. Those things help us out with the algorithm of the podcast industry. And if you're a returning listener, well then, hella thumbs up to you, my friend. Thanks for coming back. Visit lambgoat.com for everything that has to do with metal and hardcore and everything in between. Find us on social media. You can give us a like on Facebook, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at lambgoat. We also have a YouTube page where you can find all of these interviews in video format, plus our other bonus lambgoat content. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and hit that alert bell so you always get notified when we upload content. If you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, you can also search Lambgoat on Spotify and find all of our monthly playlists. And if you want to follow me, Lurk, the host on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity, L-U-R-K-C-I-T-Y. And on this episode of the podcast, I am joined by Dreamshade's guitarist, Fella. And if you're unfamiliar with Dreamshade, they're based out of Switzerland. They used to be a death metal kind of project, turned into a metalcore project, so a little bit of everything in between. However, they just released a new album, A Pale Blue Dot, a couple months ago. And if you're interested in winning a free copy of Dreamshade's album, go to my Twitter account, LurkCity, Find the tweet that I've posted this episode link on. Go ahead and give it a like and a retweet, and I will randomly pick a winner, or a few winners, I'm sorry, uh, for the album, and I will ship them out to you. Best of luck. Oh, yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh, yeah, this is good stuff. Oh no, oh, no, no, no. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is up? Welcome back to the Van Flip Podcast. Here we are again. I don't know what number show this is, but I feel like it has been a lot. We've done so many in the last couple uh, weeks here that you're hearing this much later, unfortunately, but I am joined with a international metalcore band person today. A fella from the band Dreamshade is joining me via Skype, or not Skype, but Zoom, much like all the other guests have been joining, unfortunately, in this last year. But 
you're doing it logistically because you're across the across the world in Switzerland <laughs> right now. But you guys, Dreamshade just came out with a new album, Pale Blue Dot. We actually, if you're listening to this, you probably already heard in the pre, I don't know, intro for the podcast. But we're giving out some of the, we're giving out a few copies. So uh, I don't know how we're going to do that just yet. But you already heard how you can win a copy. So just do that and win a copy. But how you doing, fella? How's it going, man? What's up, everyone? It's it's great to be with you. I'm doing great, honestly. It's it's been some some really busy days, but it's been great all all around. So, what about you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, like I just said, I've been busy as well. Uh, not just with this, but with other things in life. Just like I'm as busy as you can possibly be during a pandemic. <laughs> uh, right. I feel like I'm more busy than I was pre-pandemic, but you know. It is pretty. It's pretty nuts. It's been nuts for you guys because, like we just mentioned, you guys just released another album. So congratulations yeah. on that. How is that? Like, how's it feel to finally get it out? And how's the you know fan base been taking it in? Dude, I feel so relieved. Like, I was stressing so hard before the the, the release day because uh, you know the days that come before our release day are always the the worst because you are very close to it and you don't really know what's going to happen if the fans are going to like it or not, if you're going to be, you know, uh, critiqued somehow all the time. You don't know which (laughs) songs are going to, you know, perform better. And uh, I have to say, we're we're super excited because we've been getting the best feedback that we've ever gotten so far. (laughs) So it's it's been really, really good. It's a great album. I mean, I got it in an advanced copy of it, um, you know, digitally weeks ago. So I've been, I've been listening yeah. to it off and on for the last couple of weeks, but you know, I just got these CDs in. So I, I actually took one out and put one in the car and drove around with it for a little while. Uh, Cause nice. it, it sounds so different than streaming it obviously, but um, yeah, it's a great album and it's so different than like what you guys are normally, not normally, but what you guys originally set out for are set out for what you guys were originally doing so much like back in the day when you first formed, like 2006 time. Um, so how did you guys get to where you are now, like sound-wise? Because it seems like, and I hate using this term, but like a more mature, more together sound. And obviously that has happened. Like you guys have been a group for a longer period of time. And, you know, you guys are well aware of how each other works and how each other writes. But like, has anything else come into play as like as far as like the transitional sound that you guys have done over the years? So yeah, when we when we started back in the day, we were just kids trying to you know maybe uh, get get super close to what we loved to listen at the time, and but we never really decided on what type of genre of rock and metal we were about to play. So we already knew from the beginning that every record was going to sound a little bit different. So what we what we really worked on uh, throughout the years is to keep our songwriting. Uh, very trademarky, let's say. <laughs> like, uh, you can change, in our opinion at least, we can change type of music a little bit from a record to another, but keeping, you know, our trademark type of songwriting. Because you, in our opinion at least, you can instantly hear that it's dream shit, even if some records are more rock, some are more, I don't know, with pop inserts or mm-hmm. electronic music. Uh, you can still hear that it's dream sheet. So that's that's what's changed with time, but also stayed the same since the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if maybe you guys kind of got into the more progressive sounds sounds because you guys just became more proficient with your, you know, instruments. And like, that's just how it kind of, you kind of just morphed into writing that way, like a more progressive kind of metalcore sound. Um, obviously you guys do, uh, you have clean vocals, you have, uh, not clean vocals. So, um, what are, what are the, some of the things that you added into this record that are different than the previous records outside of the, your discography? Um, it's the first record where, where we, where there are two singers that, that sing. One is me and I play guitar and, and do some inserts uh, with vocals. And there are way more often that, that they've ever been before in the other records. So we have two different type of vocals, uh, two different singers actually. But uh, what's new, I guess, it's the rapping and, and you know, some other styles of vocals that we never used. But there is more electronics and uh, since, uh, and I guess that overall, I mean, maybe we were more prog in the first days because we were trying to, you know, put all showcase all of our talents in, in the first <laughs> records because right. we felt like metal was that at that time. But uh, somehow we we learned to write better songs, focusing on each part of the song and make it shine with the right instrument mm-hmm. one at a time. So that's what changed, in my opinion. Maybe it's just more consistent right now. Mm-hmm. Like how much... I guess you could say. How much do, do other bands, like, influence you? Like, like how much does the sound, of, uh, the, the sound of the genre or other bands, like what other bands are doing, like how much does that influence you guys' like writing? And do you guys take that into consideration? Do you, do you think, like... Well, because you said the synths and other elements you just you added in and stuff like that. Like, do you see what people are doing and, and think like that's that's a cool idea, or is it something that just comes natural that you guys just were like, oh, I feel like a synth would go well here. I don't really care that the other people in the genre are doing it also. I would say the second. I mean, we 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 just go with the flow and whatever we think it's good music, it's gonna be on the record. So. Honestly, we don't we don't really look at other metal bands, at least, or rock bands. That, of course, we like many of them, but it's not like a focus for us. It's not something that we uh, draw inspiration from all the time. We we try we tend actually to to look at other music genres way more than than metal and and, and rock because that's what helps us, you know, open our mind. So we've been doing that for many many years now. And I guess it's also part of our of our style, I would say. Yeah. I mean, you definitely can tell that there are definitely other genre influences, especially on this album, um, you know, scattered and sprinkled all over. So it's definitely mm-hmm. enjoyable, in, and you do it in such a way that it is enjoyable. Um, when did you guys uh, – where, where did the rapping come from? What was that? You know, did, was that something you guys wanted to do, or was that just something you were you wanted to try out? Uh, it's something that I already did on my own because I uh, I'm a big fan of the of hip hop in general, mm-hmm. but I've always been because my sister, uh, when we were kids, uh, she was really into it, and uh, th- those were the first records that I that I had bought with my own you know small amount of money <laughs> at the time. So uh, that's that's part of my influence. I gotta say, I listen to a lot of rap. I listen, even being it, you know, old school or new school. And I, I like many artists in that genre. And uh, I think that 
we tried this um, with some of the older songs, but it was uh, not really, you know, thought about. It just happened. Mm -hmm. And then the guys in the band really pushed me for that because they felt like it was something that could turn the band a little bit, you know, more fresh mm -hmm. somehow. And I I said, okay. So we, we did write some of the songs thinking about that for this record and uh, it worked. Yeah. I really like doing it and it's great to, you know, to spice it up live where you can, you can have, you know, a set list that is very diverse during a show and, and just have fun. Honestly, right, right. We, we just want to have fun when playing live and it's very cool, you know, to, to have this dynamic type of set lists. Well, you're speaking to a guy who grew up on the rap rock, new metal craze. So like, nice. by all means, I'm, I'm, I'm here for most of that. So, so mm. I'm a big fan of it. What are some of your, um, what, what, like you said, you listen to a lot of old school and new school rap. What are some of your artists that you, you currently are listening to a lot of right now in that genre, like rap and hip hop? Of course. The, I mean, the, the old school artists that I still listen to, uh, and I really enjoy still, and I feel like they were visionaries somehow are for sure, you know, public enemy, um, Biggie Smalls, uh, the Beastie Boys, Run DMC. I I listened to a lot of that uh, of that era, especially. Also Tupac. I love Tupac. I I would never, you know, I can't draw that many influence influences from from the lyrics because it it doesn't match our band. It doesn't match <laughs> right. our personalities. But right. the style is something that I really enjoy, and I always did. And um, To me, it's just great to listen to those albums like I used to listen to them 20 years ago and mm -hmm. still feel like they are great. And, and the new school, I mean, I, I, I really like uh, G-Eazy. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with him, but yeah, he's, he's like, like super... A, he's like a hip-hop, but he's also like a pop guy. You know, he was dating that Halsey girl for a while. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. familiar. He, <laughs> he's, really, he's really technical and really, really good. Nice flow. That's cool. There are many, there are many, so many artists that are like also in other genres. So it's, it's very, I, I do a lot of uh, research and I, I always try to find somebody that, you know, makes me go wow mm -hmm. in every genre, being it, I don't know, jazz or bossa nova or rap or whatever. Just, I just like good music. And if an artist, I find it good, that's going to be enough for me. Okay. I don't really care about the genre. Nice. Um, speaking of hip hop and whatnot, I'm sitting here looking at you and I'm like, dang, he kind of looks like, I don't know if you're familiar with the independent hip hop artist, Russ, but I'm getting arrested. Oh, I've been getting some messages about this, but I did, I wasn't familiar with him at the time. Then I looked, I looked him up, but uh, I don't, I'm not really familiar with the music though. Um, he, it's just like an independent guy. He puts his own stuff out and he's kind of like taking over, you know, the internet or whatever. He's, is he um, good? I don't. I mean, I used to listen to a lot of his earlier stuff, like like four years ago or whatever. I, I found out about him, but uh, I didn't keep up with him. So, but okay. I just know that his trajectory has gone insanely. You know, he's insanely wow. huge, but he's not mainstream still. So, uh, okay, it's good. It's um, I don't know. It's definitely like a newer style of hip hop too. So nice. It, it's uh, he has a different way of doing it, but yeah, it's decent. Um, Gonna check him out. 
Definitely. I mean, you can go to you can go for him as like a you can go as Russ on Halloween and costume parties. And stuff like that. It'd be great, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, so how long did it got, did it take you guys to write the record and did, was it like written pre COVID or during COVID or how long has it been? Cause it was a couple of years since your previous release. So I didn't know how long you've been working yeah. on it. So we, we've been touring a lot until the end of 2019. And then that's where we started thinking about doing a record and we didn't have the songs already. So we figured that, uh, the, the only, you know, the, the more efficient, uh, way to do this for us that we're really slow during the writing process, you know, honestly, is to set a deadline and just by that deadline, have a record ready. That's what we did when, when, we, when we came back home after the last Asian tour at the end of 2019. So we came home, we started working on the songs and in five months, we finished the songwriting and the recording. So it started before the pandemic and it went through it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we finished the record uh, in March, uh, April. Yeah. Of 2020. 2020. Oh, so you guys have been kind of sitting on it for a better part of like an entire year. An entire year because of the COVID, because we were supposed to release it right after. But our calculation didn't include the the, the pandemic. So everything stopped. The music business was like still trying to find ways to, you know, to work around it. And then when we understood that this was going to be way longer than we thought, that that everybody thought, Mm -hmm. um, we decided to just postpone the release to to, to find the right, you know, uh, moment to do it. Because it, it wouldn't make sense to do it before when... Nobody really knew how this pandemic was developing. Who who makes the choice on that? Like when? Because you guys waited a year, so obviously you you saw other albums come out, other bands releases, and saw either the successes yeah. or the failures of that. So like, yeah. who who ultimately decides that release date? Is that something that you guys talk with the label, the management, or is it just like on you altogether? It's us and the management. Absolutely. We, we felt like, okay, so many bands that already scheduled their release before this, you know, had a hard hit because um, they already set everything up for the release. Then the pandemic happened in between the things. And then they had to release in a moment where you were already, you know, thinking about promoting the record touring or whatever, and then had to cancel everything. And uh, that's what kept us, you know, waiting a little bit to think about it and just, you know, uh, try to work around it and to find some way to make it work at the end of the day. Then we saw that touring was not happening for anybody for a year. And then uh, just felt this moment where where we were like, okay, these songs really represent this moment in time. They are about you know, some of the things that we are experiencing right now, it would make, it wouldn't have sense, you know, it wouldn't make sense to, to release them later than this. Mm -hmm. So we set a date and it was March and we went for it. Yeah. Well, um, how, I mean, obviously it's done, it's done well. Uh, Do you think it's done better because of the pandemic? Because a lot of people do think that in, uh, I'm not calling Dream Shade a smaller band, but like 
for a lot of like underground metalcore bands, they are having more successful releases because people are just like, you know, listening to music more because they're stuck inside all over the world and such like that. So do you think like, do you think the release is doing better because of that? Or do you wish you could have like released it traditionally and like toured and just like grinded it out over a slow period of time? I, I really don't know about that. Honestly, I mean, the album just came out two days ago and it's, Hard to tell, I would say, but it's doing pretty well for us, maybe because uh, there was a lot of attention and, uh, you know, people have been waiting for so long for, for the next record. And when it finally arrived, maybe now they also have the time to listen to it and, and you know, the mindset to do it. Maybe some songs, they just need it right now. And uh, I guess that that might be a part of it, of course. Yeah, you know, because obviously people are sitting at home with more time to spend with it, too. It's not yeah. just like their daily life is going on and they're just listening to a song here or a song there. A couple songs yeah. in the car or, you know, a couple songs walking to class or doing going to the job or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can put it on and listen to it, like, in full multiple times if you need to. Absolutely. That's what I'm doing, at least. I don't know. Uh, I guess that many other people, you know, are doing this. Yeah, I'm definitely listening to a lot more music. Just, I mean, yeah. with being in Lamgoat, I want to be more apt to, like, the stuff coming out, be more as mm -hmm. to, like... Because, you know, with this podcast, not only do I want to interview, like, huge bands, like I just told you, we had the Melvins on right before here. Yeah. But I also want to give, you know, the platform to smaller bands that more people should probably listen to or that are making noise in the underground. You know, I want to... Yeah. Because there's two different audiences. There's a newer school of metalcore and there's, like, the old the older school of metalcore that lamb goat, you know, was around in and, and stuff like that. So a lot of our, a lot of our audience, unfortunately is more like my age. I don't know how old you are, but you know, they're, we're, we're upper thirties or, you know, forties. So, um, it's good to like have a balance, you know, and it's, it's good to see. Absolutely. It's good to see all that. Um, how is it for you guys over there in Europe, as far as like touring and stuff like that? Um, because you guys are obviously in a, in a different, you know, region of the world in general but you're connected you were saying something like the asian tour like how often does like an asian tour happen for you guys is it relatively like something that's just like for us like driving to the west coast you know what i mean is that is that what it's like <laughs> for you not really i mean uh, <laughs> uh asian tours are hard and it's it's uh something that we have been building for the last five or six years so for us, it's, it, it went well for us. So we do headlining tours uh, there, but it took some time to get there. And uh, we were also very lucky because we had an audience that we didn't know about in China and, and Taiwan and Japan. And that's, that's been there already for years before going the first time in 2015. So I wouldn't say it's like driving to the next state, <laughs> but... Um, and also, there are not many bands where I'm from that do this. Honestly, nobody. And um, like an untapped market out there, the Asian market, especially China, it's it's um, not very explored for many bands. Right in the in the in the you know last years, uh, many other bands, also American bands, went there. The first time that we went there, it was 2015, and we played some shows with Killswitch Engage and some others with um, The Word Alive. And uh, also other bands, I guess. And uh, it was it was sick. It was the first time for us, first time for the world alive, also, and uh, it went great. 
So we kept we kept going there every year and a half, something like that. Nice, but like, yeah. um, is it easier for you guys to? T- what I meant was, I like, got logistically. Like, obviously, it's probably oh. difficult to break through into a different country yes. where they speak a completely different language. But like, um, you know, logistically speaking, is it easy for you guys to do tours like that because you guys are connected to different continents? Whereas it might be more difficult to travel to like. Uh, I don't know, uh, Australia or, you know, America. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty hard because you, you got a tour, you know, just uh, tra- traveling with, with the plane. So it's flights, flights, flights. Every show is a flight okay. because it's a, it's a very big uh, territory. And, and uh, it's not like you drive from, from show to show, <laughs> at least in Asia, because there are many countries. And uh, yeah, so I'd say that it's, way different when you tour Europe. When you, tour, when you do, you know, back-to-back uh, tours and, and shows in Europe, you drive right after the show and, and, and then arrive to the next venue. Yeah, more traditional style of travel. Yeah, traditional. That's, that's what maybe, you know, American bands are more used to when they tour state, uh, stateside, you know. How often do you guys make it a point to come over, you know, pre-pandemic? How often were you guys coming over to the States? We just went once. Yes, once, and and never happened again because we don't have an agent there. That's what we're trying to 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 get right now. We would really love to 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 tour the United States because I feel like we feel like it's our biggest market and it's still unexplored fully for us. So that's something that we're gonna try to to definitely do in the future. So it was it's, easier for you to book multiple Asian tours than it is to come to the United States. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean our our situation is the weirdest ever because when we whenever we talk with other band to other bands when we tour like they don't understand what what's happening here. <laughs> so we we come from this very small town in southern Switzerland and there is no music business right here, right? So there when we started there were there were no bands that, w- that were touring. So we, we didn't even know how it's done, you know, how this works. And uh, we struggled to find, you know, record labels. We had to, to, to fly over uh, all over Europe to, to, you know, have management and record label and then booking agencies. It's been very weird for us because it's, it, it felt like we were getting nowhere uh, sometimes and nobody was recognizing us as a Swiss band or an Italian band because we live on the border and it's very weird. Uh, it's a very weird feeling because it's just, we are a, a minority in, in Switzerland because it's, we, we speak Italian and mm-hmm. it's just 400,000 people in this, you know, very small area. <laughs> and uh, up north, we have the Alps. So we are even divided in our own country. Right. So that made, that made, you know, the difference for us and also... It was so hard to get out of here and start, you know, touring internationally. And I don't know. It's <laughs> the other bands when we when we explain this, they always ask us, "What's the what's the deal with this?" <laughs> just just where we're from, and it's it's just weird because so, no, like, would, nobody else do this. Would thing how so? What basically? I guess you would just if you had a connection with like a uh, an, like a U.S. agent you know, booking person, you could, you know, get over here easier. Um, so how long, when, and when was that time? Sorry for blanking on that, but when was, when, when did you come to the States? What year was that? 
2013 or 14. Okay, so it's been it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. How long? Because uh, you guys started in 2006. How long was it until you started like really being serious with the band? And not saying that you weren't serious from the get go, but like you know, because you were you were talking about how it was a struggle to you know start off because it's no scene really kind of where where around you're at. Yeah. But like, so how did you guys get started? And when did it become like a more serious thing? Or like touring and records and stuff like that. So from 2006 to 2008 was just, you know, figuring out how, how uh, we were going to do this and uh, what type of music we were trying to do. Learning to songwrite because we, we didn't ever write songs before that, I mean, at this level at least, but we were all underage. We were all super, super young and, um, you know, 15, 16. And it's, until 2008, that's when our first EP uh, was released. Until then, it wasn't like, it was serious for us, but it, it, it wasn't something that was building. Then we recorded that EP and released it on online because we it, it was MySpace time. So mm. we had this web store done by us and we started selling internationally from there. We you know, had printed a couple thousand copies of that and, and it was sold out because we started, you know, shipping everywhere. And that's when we started, you know, going to European festivals, doing contests. And, and our fifth show as a band was already a European big festival. It was Metal Camp in Slovenia. Nice. So we were already traveling, but, you know, most of the bands, most of the band was underage still. So... That's when it actually started. I would say 2008, and from there, slowly, you know, understanding how uh, everything, everything in the music business, yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> so how do you guys expect to, you know, um, overcome that hurdle of the booking problem? Was it? Did you did you guys ever think of like doing it yourself? Because you guys seem like because of your uh, start, it was a lot of. You, you might have been more do-it-yourself kind of situations, but yeah. uh, did you ever think about it? Maybe like doing it yourself or like tacking on with a band that's already, you know, like I'm sure you've made <clears throat> some connections with American bands or U.S. <laughs> bands over the years. I don't know, maybe if, you know, like, hey, uh, Word Alive or Kill Switch Engage or, you know, whomever you might have played with elsewhere. Oh, like, it'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't you come bring us out, you know? Yeah, that would be, that would be awesome. And, and we did think about that. Uh, we did, we did, you know, have some connections with many bands uh, over the years. And um, it's just, you know, uh, never happened that way until now. So maybe it's going to happen soon in the future. Uh, we will definitely work more uh, on that now that we have a record that we know that it's, it's going to be, you know, uh, perceived better in the United States. And uh, we were about to do that when we had an American label. It was Artery Recordings. Mm -hmm. And then they sold the, the catalog to, to Warner after our release. So we needed to wait again to do another record to, you know, try to explore that. Did you release... But the mean Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Finish. Finish what you were saying. But yeah, that's what happened. So we the, the previous record, Vibrant... 2016, it was released, and then the the, the record label was uh, sold. <laughs> so uh, that that was the plan to tour America at that time, and that it, it couldn't happen because of that. 
so <clears throat> were you not taken on as uh, when the label was bought by Warner? Were you not was the band not taken on the Warner roster, or did they just? I think they just bought the catalog, so every band that was on there. That's my. That's what I think, but I'm not really sure about this. But they're not really I working that, with the bands, or just using. Right. They're just okay for like whether it be like financial reasons or just to purchase yeah. the catalog. Okay, so you guys don't have any uh, attachment per se to Warner Brothers, other than them having the rights to those albums. Correct. Oh, okay, so it was basically back to square one then. So who? Do you have who are you putting the pale blue? Who do you put it out with in America? So Vic, uh, that that record or yeah. this one? A pale blue dot. The the current it's, one. It's we are doing the DIY. label right okay, now. Okay. That's the first that the first time that we've ever done this because we've been with record labels for ten years straight, and uh, we signed with Universal as a spine firm in two thousand and ten, mm-hmm. and then we started releasing full length after that with them and. Uh, Right now, we saw this opportunity to do this on our own and actually, you know, try to make it work because uh, we felt like for many years we didn't see any of what's what was happening with our records and where this this was going. And we didn't have nobody was you know uh, sending us statements and stuff. So <laughs> it it was kind of weird, you know, to work so hard for something that you can see how it's going. Right and. Uh, we felt like it was harder uh, for us than than for our other bands. So we saw this opportunity with the pandemic, and you know, um, didn't really feel like uh, any of the the record labels that were interested in the record were gonna make a difference for us. So we figured, just just let's try this. And I have to say, it's working very well. Yeah, and we are we are really surprised because. We know it's it's been a very hard job to do because we're not, right now we're doing the artist side and also the, the the management and record label and you know promotion and shopping and whatever. So it is very hard. You, you got to put a lot of effort and time in it and money, but at least you can control everything. Right, and, and you, uh, you get to see the back end behind absolutely. the curtain and stuff like that. How Absolutely. much of that? But how much of that is difficult because you guys don't, you guys might not know exactly how everything is run behind the scenes because you weren't, you know, privy to all that. So how difficult is it to run some of those things? It's not difficult because we've done, we've done this type of things on our own anyway, even when the record label was there. So mm. they were selling our records. That's true, but like we we did promote the shit out of it, and. That's, in my opinion, why it kept working, even in that in those situations, and uh, all the touring and everything. That's something that we did, and that we organized, and that people that really believe in the band helped us helped us do. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, but they still get a cut of the, all that stuff too, correct? Not not the touring though. Okay, yeah, I mean, right now. For us, it's working pretty well because uh, we know where everything is going. We do get finally, you know, every statement from from the previous record. So right now, we have full control, and we feel like we've done something good for ourselves, and uh, we can have control on our art and and how it's managed. 
and that changes our whole perspective. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. That's great. How <clears throat> how much of a decision was it to you know to do it yourself? Obviously, because of the pandemic, a lot of you too. But like with the ease of the internet, like was it something that you guys had like maybe previously thought about, even when you were on Artery or other labels, like? How long did you guys want to maybe possibly have everything in control of your, like, you know, in your hands? Uh, we don't know how long we're going to do this, but we no, did no, how try. How long have you wanted to do it? Ah, sorry. Yeah, we, we did try this with two previous singles uh, before this record. And uh, that was 2018 to 2019 and 20. Yes. So it's been uh, two to three years. Okay, cool. That we're thinking about doing this. So that's why we were uh, kind of ready to, to take this step. Because we felt like people who are interested in the band can really, you know, uh, support us in the best way. Just giving, you know, their support directly to the band. Right. That changes a lot. Well, I think that mindset is changing in general. I think a lot of more people yeah. are connecting with the band and absolutely knowing exactly absolutely. like how much maybe their uh, their financial you know um, decisions of supporting the band actually do affect the band. I think especially now with the pandemic, but I thought even before a lot more people were uh, buying merch of the bands directly from the band at the show or on the you know on the band's website in hopes that it probably goes to the band more often, but. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's great that bands and I've said this on this podcast many times, so it is whatever. But I think it's great that bands have had a way to kind of financially capitalize on, you know, even, you know, sitting down Q and A status and like, yeah. like a Patreon or like a fan club or like a. I think it's great that bands have capitalized on that, and I'm glad that, you know, we're at a time where it doesn't look like gimmicky. Because, you know, before it might have been gimmicky because we were I was so going to say, I was going to say, like back in the day, especially when you start and, and you don't know what, what you're doing, you you have no idea how this works. And uh, I mean, for us, it was even harder because we really had nobody to, to <laughs> yeah. draw, you know, uh, inspiration from or knowledge. And... The, the record labels, when you, when you start, do, I mean, they they absolutely do their work fine because you don't have money when you start. You need, you know, uh, the finances to produce records, videos, and touring and whatever. So absolutely, that's something that helps when you start because they put you out there. They put you on the map. And if you also do good music, you're going to stay there for mm -hmm. a while. But if you already have an audience and it's been growing over the years and you can monitor that right now, I feel like if you're not a huge band that really needs that type of machine that goes behind the scene, you should, you know, use the power of your audience way more than we used to do it back in the day. Yeah. Well, it's also easier to get an audience nowadays. Absolutely. Uh, but also I think a lot of it is because like, you know, you said a lot, the general public also didn't understand how the music industry worked. And I think, I think the general public has a better knowledge of, well, that's I, true. I don't want to say general public, but like someone that may be into like underground music, whereas like yeah, yeah. maybe not people that are into pop music, they may not understand exactly how it works. But like, you know, people that are more dedicated into these niche genres are more interested in, in the business, I guess. So 
they would understand how like, oh, well, you know, the, the, it's still underground, but there's an underground, you know, dichotomy business that goes along with it. Too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and there are many bands that, that started doing this, honestly, and uh, some of them are doing great. And I feel like if you if you are a smaller band, it can make sense because, you know, especially during the pandemic, we realized like, OK, uh, CDs are not going to be sold anyway. Even before the pandemic, nobody's really selling, you know, physical CDs anymore. So you got the, the digital platforms, you got the videos and everything. If you're going to sell CDs, vinyls or gadgets or merchandise or whatever, you any people just cannot go to stores during the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. So they're just going to order on the internet. So why can't we use that and just, you know, Use one link to, to, to have people order stuff. Right. That's what we did. Because any, everybody was ordering stuff from Amazon or, or whatever <laughs> all day, every day for one year right now. Right. Because nobody can go to, to, to the shop, right? You cannot go to shows even. Mm-hmm. So there's not really a big difference if you, if you are willing to take this, this amount of work right. <laughs> that, is, you know, that is managing this thing. Well, and, it's, uh, and it's less, and that's what I'm saying. It's less gimmicky. And whereas, because true. I guess before, you know, a casual fan would be like, well, this, this band is signed. So they obviously have money, you know, like the, the, there was like a, an idea of like all signed bands are, have got it going on. And, you know, it's so lame that they're out here asking for $5 per fan to yeah. like <laughs> hang out and talk with them. But now, you know what I mean? I think now everyone kind of knows how like, oh, well, streaming services don't pay. And like you said, physical copies don't necessarily sell as much as they have in the pra- in, in the previous past. But, you know, I think the casual fan is more apt to give the band $5 or, you know, per month or more so and not think it's a gimmick because they, they understand like and more bands are yeah. doing it because obviously the times have pushed a lot of bands to think of like other income streams you know because touring and and music is technically on hold for the time being yeah speaking of which you said you're on the border of italy and switzerland and such like that and when the pandemic you know started uh you know a little over a year ago or even more so for for you guys because in europe it was a little before us yeah um, italy was really bad for a long time there but um what's it like kind of now and you know, how has, what's the outlook on your normalcy of life getting back to somewhat normal for like shows or, you know, the public, what's, what's it like out there? Uh, nobody really knows right now. And it's very different from country to country, from region to region. We do live on the border, but the borders are closed. So we cannot cross and Italians cannot cross in. And uh, that's kind of weird because we live here and we do, we, we do cross we we're used to cross every every week, right? So <laughs> there is a, also a lot of people that work here or there, and it's something that is very U- European. You know, you just go from country to country and like uh, on a on a weekly basis, and uh, uh, you know, being so separated separated from one another, it's just weird for us. And uh, I don't know. It's it was kind of strange because I was touring with Darkest Hour as a fill-in guitar player in February 2020 when this all started in Italy and Germany. 
So I, I had to finish the tour and then fly back and land in Milan, Italy. And that's when I first saw the masks and, you know, th this news that there was the first time that I heard it. And I've been touring for a while and I come back home and everybody was wearing masks and talking about this virus from China and everything. And uh, that's where I, that, that's where it kicked in. I, I, I felt like, okay, there's something very weird here. And it all started. And like from that day, two weeks later, all the borders were shut down and closed and life changed forever <laughs> for us yeah. because it's just, uh, we're, we're stuck at home for one year and, I don't know if, if, if shows are going to happen. Probably, uh, you know, small open-air shows are going to be there during the summer mm -hmm. in most places. Yeah, because like, most, most European festivals have kind of been canceled already, you know, uh, that, that were maybe rescheduled for this year and everything. But it, so you say the borders are closed. Are some borders for some countries open? Or are they all just kind of closed and you guys are all kind of in your little pockets now? I think they are pretty much all, all closed. I'm not sure about it, though. I mean, the, the ones that are next to, to us are all closed. Yeah. But, you know, like, if, if there are going to happen, you know, if there are going to be shows during the summer, it's going to be, you know, maximum 200, 300 people in the open air and, and it's, you know, being seated wearing masks. I guess it's going to be like that, but, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Even by the time this comes out, which is a couple of weeks from now, things yeah. could be different. You never know. Uh, but like, there are certain countries and certain parts of the world that have, quote-unquote, beat the virus, and they're opened up, and they're, they're not... I don't want to know. I don't know if they're back to normal life, but they're definitely back to shows and live events, it seems. I've, I've seen a lot of festivals going on and like, uh, I want to say Australia and some other kind of small Asian island countries. New, New Zealand, I guess? Yeah, New Zealand, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Who knows? I don't, I don't really know about, about what's happening in other you know, countries. Well, how is the situation there in Florida? Well, that's what I was asking because, uh, you know, certain – the board – like our state lines are open. So yeah. that – I kind of associate like, you know, country borders over in Europe to state lines for us. Ah, okay, okay. But – uh, certain states are open, like certain states have gone open. Uh, most recently, Texas and Mississippi are like, we're going to start doing concerts, no mask, no social distancing, nothing. We're going back to kind of normal, it sounded like, is what they want to do. And so a lot of people are upset about that. And, you know, there's other there's other states like California, New York, and other places, like even I think some places in Canada are still in lockdown. Um and it just, it seems really strange. It seems in some areas you're being told some stuff, you know what I mean? And then like where right. I live in Florida, where I live in Florida, it's uh, our governor, our governor was Republican and he was more aligned with like Trump's plan. So our state is, has been open for quite some time and okay. not like where we're having shows and stuff like that, but that's coming back. Like there are, uh, events are happening like, uh, uh, two two miles away, actually, uh, there's um, an open air festival that's going to happen on the weekends, and I think some of the bands are like Newfound Glory will play one weekend, 
and then Sugar Ray will play another weekend. So they're going to have like bands playing down the street here, open air uh, by the river. And, you know, so we're, we're there and um, it's just crazy that, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what to believe and what, what to side with. Cause I'm just living mm-hmm. my life day to day, but I've lived my life day to day here in Florida. So I've seen what it's like if, I guess restrictions elsewhere were kind of lessened and I'm not saying that's what people should do or anything like that, but that's just like my reality. So it's crazy to hear other people's reality because it's so different than what I'm living in, no matter what I believe or think, you know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. Absolutely. It's, I I guess it's very different everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you can see that in Europe, like every country is behaving totally different from, from the next. So, um, is it political based over there in Europe? Like, is it as politically debate uh, um, based on like their stance on like masks, no masks? Uh, you know, the the virus is a problem. It's really not a problem. Like, is it based politically like that? I guess that uh, I mean, you gotta wear a mask everywhere in Europe right now, and um, it's more based on the number of cases. I mean, if you if you had no cases for a couple of months, maybe it's gonna change, but. I feel like right now, most of the European countries are in the same situation. Like, I mean, the cases are going down where I live, but next to us, there, there are some great spikes in Italy. So you don't, you never know how it's going. Mm-hmm. Nobody really can understand how, what is the trend. It's it's just weird. It's just been one of those like it's got to be one of the most frustrating things for like yes. for everyone in the world to have dealt with at the same time. It's never really kind of happened. It's crazy. You know I mean? It's crazy. So nuts. Um, and it was even crazier at the beginning because there are you know the country that is next to you, they are taking action on it and they, yeah. they are having big problems. Why uh, did it take so long for for other countries to to react? Because of the cases, because maybe you know it took longer for other uh, areas to to be, be in danger. Yeah, right? exactly. I think, <clears throat> and a lot of that is, you know, we had that kind of issue here. Whereas you know, as Italy was going crazy, all of a sudden New York started going crazy, and yeah. and then you know, then people started raising the eyebrow over here, and then next thing you know, it started popping up all over, and you know. It did get, it, it was scary for a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not saying yeah, that yeah. I'm not like an anti-believer or anything like that. It's just for, for a while, it was definitely scary. And, uh, you know, like we didn't leave our houses. That was like the first time, like we stopped going to work and like, you yeah. know, and we stopped going outside and stuff. And like, I was like, okay, this is kind of strange. But then, you know, I guess when the grocery store opened back up, and we had to go into the grocery store and, you know, it's just like, oh, you're, I don't know. It's like one of the, it's like being in a weird movie, like outbreak movie. And like, you're being told to stay in the bunker. And then all of a sudden, like you start venturing out <laughs> and you're like, oh wait, I'm not like, I'm not bursting into flames. I'm not dying instantly. And then, you know, I just got to got used to being out in public and I'm like, I'm used to it. Like yeah, yeah. I've been in public the entire time now. And it's like, I go to dinner in restaurants and there's other people in the restaurants. It's not, you know, and it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy that I'm living a different life than I guess you would live. Yeah. And other absolutely. people, it's, it's really, it's really insane. Yeah. Here there, there are no open restaurants. I mean, you cannot go, you, you can just order in and, uh, and do it at home. So for you, is that like, what is that? 
what do you think? And now I don't want to get your personal opinion on the situation, but like, how does it make you feel that do you know that you can't do certain things, but like the country over or like me, I'm doing the things that you maybe want to do or like, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I don't feel bad about that. I mean, I feel like uh, there, there, ha- there has to be a reason for it. I mean, maybe you're not in that in the same type of danger yeah, in your know. area. I mean, uh, I don't really know. It's, I mean, I it used to be. I used to feel like very depressed at the beginning of things because everything that was scheduled just suddenly was canceled, right. and and uh, we had to redo everything. The world stopped. And and it was weird for us at that point, but then I got somehow used to it. And right now I'm trying, I'm always trying to, you know, get the best out of it and, and try to be creative and, and just work uh, as much as possible in, you know, in a positive direction. And uh, I feel like many people are doing the same here. That's cool. So I'm also pretty positive that it's, that it's not going to last forever. So. Well, Sometime, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we're gonna we see the sunlight. Yeah, um, <laughs> they they announced. I don't know if you're familiar with like you know everything that goes on in the United States, and especially I don't know how familiar with like early metalcore, uh, early two thousands uh, scene yeah. life in in the United States. But they released uh, the new dates and the new lineup for the Furnace Fest. Uh, I've seen that festival, and a lot of people are you know excited on one hand and then there's another camp that's like how can you we're in the middle of a pandemic there's that crowd so it's crazy and again it's crazy to see yeah both sides of it but uh and that's in alabama right yeah have you ever been there have i been i've been to alabama i have not necessarily not to the festival i mean oh no 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 uh okay it, it was early 2000s unfortunately i was a little younger and i wasn't you know i didn't travel all over like i do now okay for that kind of stuff. But, um, I definitely plan on going if it yeah. can, if they have this festival, I'm going to go. Uh, but I'm not necessarily going to be worried. I'll wear a mask. If, we, if depending on whatever I have to do at that time, I'll do, I'm not yeah. worried about yeah. it. I'll mask up. I won't mask. I'll, ma- you know, whatever I have to do. Um, I shouldn't say whatever I have to do. I'm not going to do whatever I have to do, but I'll do some things to go to the <laughs> festival. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, man. So I guess we're kind of running the end here. Uh, congrats again on the record, uh, I, even though it just came out two days ago. And uh, I hope, but hopefully by the time fans and people listen to it, they've been living with it for a month or so. So yeah, uh, hopefully it's just continued to get better and better for you guys. And um, man, hopefully we can get some shows going, and hopefully you, you can get traditional, you know schedule going for for rock yeah or for really hope so releases yeah and it's, i really hope so to, to finally get to the states and, and play some shows because it's it's about time yeah let's uh, <laughs> let, let's try to manifest uh, a booking agent or a person to help <laughs> uh fella in the dream guy the dream shade uh guys to cross the pond yet again it's been you know what seven eight years so in, yeah and uh, we'll, I mean, we did we did go to every other I don't know continent. Yeah, it's 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 just you know the right time to come back to the states. Well, where the and, and we've never been to Canada, so also that's gonna be a first. Usually, if you can get into one country and get in the other one, yeah. so yeah, you're yeah. gonna be pretty good. Um, 
But yeah, man. Well, thanks for spending uh, the Sunday with me. I know it's a little later for you over there. Um, it's a little early, or not early. It's like you know, it was twelve when we started, so so it's whatever. But I appreciate your time, uh, fella, and hopefully we can do this again next time in person when you're, you know, in the states. So absolutely. So once again, congrats on the Pale Blue Dot release. Uh, and again, if you have listened this far, don't forget to get yourself uh, in the running for the uh, copy of their new album on CD. We're going to be giving away. So again, thanks, man. Uh, have a great rest of the uh, rest of the year, I guess. Thank you very much. It's been great to be with you. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.